funniest player on the team for me is Belly, and it's the way he delivers for real. It's like when he delivers his jokes, there's no laugh, and you really can't even tell if he's serious or not. We deserve this win, man. Fox Sports 5 flying high in Motown. Oh, my goodness. I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling the best I've ever felt. I'm excited. I'm, I'm all about winning. I know that the fans here are extremely loyal and passionate. And just like them, I, I want to become not just a playoff team, but a sustained playoff team and eventually get back to some of that championship success and contention. With the 12th pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Sacramento Kings select Tyrese Halliburton. Imagine being one of those players that's on a team that you know hasn't been in the playoffs in over a decade, almost two decades, about a decade and a half, and then being the first team to actually get to the playoffs. Just being able to be a part of that would definitely be something special. And if we can, you know, end up building a championship contending team, you're winning a championship in Sacramento. Like that's that's looked at a lot differently. You probably feel better than you do with anything else. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Bryant West on here as we always do. What's going on, Bryant? How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Um, good game of basketball yesterday. I know we're both cheering for the Suns, but uh, I was pretty glad to see that Milwaukee wasn't just going to roll over and make this a really easy series. So more basketball is always good basketball. And uh, yeah, we took a look at some interesting project prospects uh in the last couple of days so excited to get into uh bj boston and jt thor yeah and we're just gonna jump right into it start with jt thor today both these guys are really upside swings i think that we would be happy with at 39 and and we'll get into describing why we also don't think it's probably likely that those guys are there um but to start with jt thor six nine with a seven three wingspan played at auburn this year um averaged 9.4 points 5.0 rebounds just under one assist along with 0.8 blocks and 1.4 block per game. That's in 23 minutes on 44% from the field, 29% from three and 74% from the free throw line. Um, But we have to start with the defensive end when it comes to Thor. Um, Oh yeah, for sure. The, the length that he has and also the mobility paired with it uh, just allows him to do some incredible recoveries and rotations on the defensive end. Absolutely. He is a defensive playmaker, full stop. Um, 2.4 blocks per 40 minutes, 1.4 steals per 40 minutes. That's 3.8 stocks total. Uh, And that's amazing for any prospect, let alone a freshman playing in the SEC. Um, He's got really active hands. He's very physical on defense. Um, His movement skills on the perimeter are very tantalizing. He's nowhere near like uh, Usman Garuba level. We talked about him a couple podcasts ago. He's a whole different level in terms of any prospect we've ever watched. Uh, I wouldn't even say JT Thor is anywhere close to Evan Mobley level, uh, but he's pretty damn nice. Um, I forget what game it was. I wrote it. Um, there was a couple of plays against Tennessee where it was just, he just really handled swat switches onto the guards very well. Uh, he's a very decent perimeter player. And that's kind of what he was asked to do on both ends of the court at Auburn. Um you know, Bruce Pearl clearly saw uh, JT Thor as a long-term Auburn player. Uh, it kind of surprised a whole bunch of people that he came out when he did, but, you know, I'm never going to uh, criticize a player for coming out when they do because, hey, go get the money when you can. Uh, and it's clear just based on some of the um, workouts he's been getting. I know he worked out for the Pacers and the Hornets, uh, and they've got picks uh, 11 and 13. Like, if you can get a lottery pick, come out. Uh, and 
on the defensive end, he may be a little bit of a project. Um, he definitely has to bulk up, but like you were talking about, six nine, seven three wingspan, fairly quick feet, pretty dang explosive. Like that defensive upside is real. Uh, it may take a couple of years, but lottery level defensive talent, I would say. Yeah, and I want to talk about you know like the off ball playmaking is real. Um, I think the on ball defense while he does move well laterally, like the strength could be an issue, right? Mm-hmm. If you're talking like elite defender, um, I see him listed at 205. But oh, yeah. what, do you, what do you see as like his ceiling of a defender? Well, the first thing, before we have any idea what kind of defender he's going to be, he has to get stronger because, um, you know, being a perimeter-oriented player on both ends, I mean, he, I'm not, I don't want to keep saying that, like he didn't spend time in the paint. Like one of the games you and I watched over the last couple of days was the Kentucky game. Um, and he did spend some time on BJ Boston, but I think that most of the time, I mean, Auburn's a team that switches pretty much whenever they can. That's kind of their whole deal. Um, but when, I, I would say most of his time was against Isaiah Jackson. Um, and on both sides of the court, Isaiah Jackson just moved him around, just bodied him up. Um, and credit to JT Thor that didn't dissuade him from continuing to be physical and trying uh, as hard as he could to stop uh, Jackson. He had a couple of moments where I thought he played pretty decent defense on Jackson. But uh, if Isaiah Jackson is pushing you around, like we were talking a couple uh, podcasts ago that Jackson is going to have some strength issues of his own at the next level. Like that just tells you JT Thor at 18 years old is nowhere close to what his actual NBA body is. So who knows what position he's going to be best at when he gets, you know, 22, 23 years old. Um, I know a lot of people specifically think that on offense, he either needs to be a stretch four or small ball five. So if his future team thinks that, then they may kind of box him into, well, no, you've got to guard power forwards uh, or even small ball centers at the next level, which I think is a little bit of a waste because, uh, you know, the movement skills are tantalizing and the strength is nowhere close to that. So if he comes in and they're like, hey, you go in there right now and guard backup fours and fives, uh, I think he could get played off the floor even against bench players. So it really that I think that's a grand way of saying he's a project player, and uh, it's going to take multiple years of not only just G League, but even more so than some of the project players we've talked about. It's going to take weight training program. It's going to take G League time. It's going to take a team with a very specific idea of what do we want this guy to do on defense, what do we want him to do on offense, and uh, how patient are we going to be. Yeah, a very real floor, but the upside is is totally legitimate. And when we talk about the offensive game, I think, um, you know, when you when you are typically thinking of a defensive prospect, you at least want him to have a jumper. And I think that Thor showed potential there. He shot twenty nine point seven percent from deep this year on uh, two point seven attempts a game. But he had plenty of games where he was really getting shots up. He has this uh, very high release, and it's mm-hmm. fairly quick. Um, I think he needs to be set in his feet and sometimes that takes a second, but I think what, what did you make of his shooting? Because there were some serious flashes there. Yeah. Um, like you said, 29.7% from deep isn't stellar, but there are positive indicators. Um, he has a high volume on threes. There's 4.8 attempts per 40 minutes, uh, 38% three point rate. So he clearly 
knows that that three-pointer uh, is his future. Um, shot 74% on 5.53 free throw attempts for 40 minutes. That's a very high rate. Um, Auburn needed the shooting. They were really bad three-point shooting team this year. Surprise, surprise. Um, and I feel like uh, most of their time, they stuck him in the corner, even with mediocre three-pointer success. Um, I pulled up his uh, shot chart. Most of his shots are kind of straightaway threes. Um, so like he was much, much worse in the corner, uh, which kind of made me laugh on how they were using him in more structured offenses in the corner. So, uh, you know, I, I, I buy his shooting to an extent. Um, his catch and shoot numbers were just disastrous. He was 14 of 63 overall, according to Synergy. So 22%. It's a clear area of concern and a clear area of improvement, unless you're banking on him being a real on-ball threat early. Um, most of his offense came from transition plays, cuts, offensive rebounds, you know, movement scoring, which isn't a surprise for a raw athletic forward. But like you said, the most tantalizing skill is his off the dribble shot. He has real flashes off the bounce, especially later in the year. Just go look up his highlights. I'm sure that there will be four or five of those ones where suddenly you see this six, nine dude with a seven, three wingspan dribbling uh, behind his back and under his legs and suddenly pulling up into sweet looking mini fadeaway like, he has flashes off the bounce. Uh, he was 10 to 23 on such shots, 43%, 80th percentile. That's obviously not great value, but he really did have some nice dribble and the pull-up moves. Uh, and it's pretty when he gets it going. So I believe in the structure of his shot. Like his mechanics look all right. Um, his long arms mean that it's not the quickest shot, but he, 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 he's clearly building himself to be a stretch uh, forward at the next level so uh, his ceiling really does come at wherever he gets that shot yeah I'm definitely with you and um, you know I think displaying a lot of confidence in it and like you said that clearly being the mold that it seemed that it seems like he's going into uh, there should be a lot of work put into that three-point shot the free throw indicator is not bad 74 percent um, he finished pretty well around the rim also um, you know he got bodied often when he got there but mm-hmm. When he, when he was able to get a look, he shot 59%, 69th percentile. So that's pretty nice there. Um, yeah, especially I feel like he's still figuring out how to get to the rim. Um, yeah. He really is this collection of, of uh, loose tools. And when he gets to the rim, like I thought his touch was solid, but the way he got there was so kind of herky-jerky sometimes that uh, there's still a lot of untapped potential when it comes to him figuring out his driving game. Yeah, and I thought his passing was pretty bad. You know, if he ever got doubled in the post, I thought, like, uh, you know, I appreciated some of the skip passes that he went for. Like, I, I like that he saw the pass, um, mm-hmm. but it was very telegraphed often and, and picked off. So, yeah, I, I, I'm exactly like you. I enjoyed the fact that there were plenty of times where he saw reads and he was trying to make the right play. Um, but since he was going so fast and his handle's not great and his feel and timing isn't great, like he had 42 turnovers to 23 assists isn't great. Um, I don't want to make it seem like those numbers indicate he's a black hole because he's definitely not. Um, it's just his decision-making is still very raw, but like you said, he makes those passes with confidence, which I think is much better than the opposite, like a passive dude who is raw with passing just never figures it out 
So it's at least a positive indicator there that he wants to make the right assists, even if he threw a lot of them into uh, opposing defenses. Yeah. I have a ceiling comp for you. Oh, okay. What do you think of Jeremy Grant? Oh, I like that one in terms of uh, body type and play style too. You know, I, I don't. Remember, I don't buy him as a five. By the way, no, like, I don't either. Yeah, I know. I, I I've heard a lot of smart people say he's like, he should be played as a small ball five. To me, I think that like he was a really good help side rim protector, but I don't really think that he's a all right stand in the paint and actually protect the rim on a high volume of defensive possessions. You know, my comp kind of was, and I really kind of hope he ends up in a developmental situation a lot like this is Pascal Siakam. Hmm. Um, you know, kind of that two-way, you know, it's kind of two-way scoring dude who either gets to the basket or shoots threes. Uh, versatile on defense. He really did take two and a half years before he was even earning real minutes. Uh, and then he, the ceiling was off. And kind of reminds me physically of him too. Um, you know, there's one Pascal Siakam, and uh, it, it's one of those perfect developmental situations where a young raw dude with real serious upside talent upside went to a perfect developmental situation that could be patient with him. And it's got to be the same thing with JT Thor. Um, but I could see it. It's not crazy to me. Yeah, and there is a perfect fit in this draft for JT Thor. <laughs> Yeah, it's very true. Um, I said it on Twitter yesterday before I even realized the full implication of what I was saying, but I I really think he makes a ton of sense for our Oklahoma City Thunder. And I meant that in just uh, they've got multiple firsts. They are going to be patient. Uh, they got a young upstart team with guards in place who he could really work with. They always want more shooting. And then... Twitter reminded me of the damn obvious thing that I can't believe I of all people didn't think of <laughs> Oklahoma city thunder drafting a, a dude named Thor. Come on. Those jerseys would just sell themselves. I go buy one. I would, I would instantly go buy a JT Thor thunder. jersey. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You'd have to. If the Kings were to trade back nine to 16 and 18 is Thor a guy you consider at those spots i'll say no yes i i actually don't really think so i would just because if the upside hits he's worth one of those picks um and if you're going to trade back from 9 to 16 and 18 you're signaling that at least one of those has to be an upside swing now, do I think that McNair would actually do it? No. If, if McNair is going to trade back, I think he probably takes one of these safer projects. It might like, not, yeah, you might not have to make one of them an upside swing. Now, don't crush my spirit here, dude. Yeah, no, I don't want to trade. I don't want to trade back and, and be uh, Corey Kispert and uh, <laughs> Chris Duarte. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, oh, man. Just hard cap our first round playoff exit right there, don't you? Yeah, um, I certainly no. wouldn't be mad at an upside swing. Yeah, I, I get why JT Thor is not going to be in your top uh, 20. He's probably not going to be in my top 20. If he is, it's going to be like right there, 19, 20 something. Yeah. So I definitely consider him, but like 
there is a real difference to me between JT Thor and Zaire Williams in terms of what, like, I, I, I think the, the median outcome for uh, Zaire is going to be a much better player than median outcome JT Thor. Medium outcome JT Thor might barely play in the league. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's very true. And, uh, Lord knows, maybe the Kings aren't that squad that can risk even getting two firsts there. Maybe the Kings aren't the team that can take that risk. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I think I'm going to have a early 20s. It's going to be my guess for here for JT4. Yeah, that's probably um, where I'll have him too. Probably in a pretty big tier that goes into like early teens also. That's just going to depend on uh, what the team is looking for. And I think Brandon Boston is obviously an upside swing as well. Um, yeah, an interesting situation. You know, he was he was ranked seventh on ESPN's uh, top 100 coming out of high school, one ahead of Zaire Williams, and with the consensus top six right there above him. Yeah, um, he played uh, 25 games in Kentucky, a real disappointing full Kentucky, disappointing squad this year. Um, but he was a big part of that. Um, played 30.4 minutes per game. Averaged 11.5 points, 4.5 rebounds, 1.6 assists, 1.3 steals per game, which is pretty impressive. 1.4 turnovers, uh, and then we get to uh, efficiency numbers. 35.5% from the field, 30% from three, 78.5% from the free throw line. So uh, I'll just ask you bluntly, do you believe that he has real NBA potential at the next level? Yeah, I think the potential is there for sure. Um, I, I mean, I'm not saying it's likely potential that he necessarily pans out, but I think there's a real reason he was ranked so highly coming out of high school. Like his physical tools are undeniable, 6'7", six, 6'11", six, wingspan. The shot didn't go in as much as you want it to, but I still do think he has a really promising jumper, 78% um, from the free throw line. You know, there's a lot of indicators from his time in high school. Um, I think he just struggled to get and create decent looks. I, I think that... Um, it was too early for him to be a number one option and he needed to be a little bit more complimentary this year. Um, but that just wasn't the roster that Kentucky really had around him. Um, and he should have been way better. Uh, I'm not using the excuse of just the roster or anything mm -hmm. like that. Um, if you're projected as one of these top guys, you should be able to carry your team, but it's just clear he wasn't ready for that. You know, the handle was not tight enough. He wasn't strong enough. Um, there wasn't, he wasn't able to piece together all too many moves with his footwork. So there's just, so much work that needed to be done in creating easy looks for him on offense um, that I think like that's a big reason the efficiency looks really rough. Yeah, the entire Kentucky roster was a massive mess. I mean, he was tied for uh, the team lead in points per game this season, which, I mean, just tells you anything at 11.5 for a Kentucky squad. That's just really disappointing. Um, honestly, I just was not impressed with their talent at all this year uh they had very minimal floor spacing everything was cramped um he has a pretty decent handle game um and when he gets going to the basket you know um he's got that little jab step drive once that goes to work like he starts to float with the basketball and it all looks natural and you see why he was a top seven dude in the recruiting recruiting class but everything once he got to the rim kind of went wrong like doubles came at him because there weren't any shooters on that squad um he didn't have amazing touch from the games that i watched 
Uh, he did have some really nice highlight plays that really ended up there uh, on, yeah, I don't know. They were some very impressive plays, but then you look at his efficiency. He was 40% in the half court at the rim on non-post-ups. That's just really not good. So a lot of factors have to go right for him to be the scoring talent that I think people were hoping he'd be coming into college. A lot. Um, and even if he is not that guy, you know, it's 27 percent off the dribble jumpers, also 27 percent on catch and shoot. I mean, I think that he looks confident. And I, I think that if you're feeling good about anything improving, it should be his percentages. If he's just given open looks in the league. Um, I, I mean, I do think that he is a shooter. He'll be able to knock it down and, you know, maybe like one move off a closeout or something like that. Um, but right now, there's not going to be anything more than that, like. Absolutely. This is a super raw offensive talent that has potential with that first step you talked about. And like if the footwork gets improved, that there is like step backs with his ridiculous length and high release on this jumper um, that I see where the potential is. But it's going to take a same with Thor, like a couple years in the G League of really refining his skills. Um, and, and the defense is just as rough as well. Like Thor might be able to translate that a little bit earlier in the league Boston just has so much work to do on both ends of the floor before he's not a negative out there even yeah I don't I'm not quite as low on his defense actually um like you don't get to 1.7 steals per 40 minutes by not having timing um he definitely missed a lot of stuff and uh I think there were a lot of times where his skinny frame like have we talked about the fact that what is he 180 pounds six, 780 pounds, something like that. Like he's skinny as heck. He might be skinnier per inch than Zaire Williams. Um, yeah. We were saying and, how um, in that game that uh, JT Thor was getting put, pushed around by Isaiah Jackson, but Brandon Boston was getting pushed around by JT <laughs> Thor. So yeah, it's definitely true. Um, but a lot like Zaire, like I think there's some amount of Boston's tools that help him have some recovery like i thought his his top end speed was faster than uh i was led to believe just from reading stuff on the internet and he's pretty dedicated defender um so he wouldn't have been the first disappointing kentucky prospect to just give minimal effort on defense um i think he's got a little defensive versatility across guarding wings and guards at the next level but it's very much like you said it's going to take a while until he sees the nuances of defense jt thor will be a good defender long before brandon boston does yeah i think that you know there's the jumping passing lanes that boston did well and, and then also some occasional flashes of weak side rim protection with his length and jumping ability but i think that he probably does get attacked early in the league and that's where I, I think he really struggles on that end of the yeah. floor, like physicality, like you mentioned, obviously. And I think um, moves his feet decently as well. But uh, I think he's just going to get abused on the defensive end of the floor early in the league. Um, tell me what the real difference here, though. And how, okay, well, let's start with this. How much of the difference between Boston and Zaire do you think is people taking into account Zaire's injury and a weird situation at Stanford? Well, what, regardless of the situation, it's not like B.J. Boston uh, or any raw player this year had an easy time at college. Um, 
a normal year at Kentucky. This was not a normal year at Kentucky, um, for sure. Um, I think to me, the real difference is when I watch Zaire Williams, it doesn't take me very long to see his clear, uh, obvious strength of the next level, which we talked about is his off the dribble shot. That was his one true efficiency in college. Uh, he was 30, 53rd percentile on dribble jumpers. and He relied on that shot for over 50% of his offensive looks. To me, BJ Boston doesn't really have that true efficient shot unless it was that shot he gets once his pump fake makes his man fly by him and now he's suddenly open. He got that like multiple times in every game I watched. But like you talked about, his off the dribble shot wasn't even close to Zaire's. He shot 27.9% on 61 attempts. Uh, he shot 27% on 83 catch and shoot shots. All jumpers in the half in the half court, 28% on 146 attempts. He was 31% on 29 mid-range jumpers. None of those are good. There's no singular efficiency when you look at it. And when you're watching in the game, like he has a lot of um, he has a lot of dribbling moves. And every once in a while, he'll flash shooting potential, but there's never, like Zaire, a, a, a skill to hang his hat on. Um, now, I don't want to say that all like there's no reason to project him as a positive shooter given improvement. Um, he improved his deep shot a bit as the year went on. He shot 42% from three in the last 10 games. His free throw shot was fine, 78.5% on 2.6 attempts per game. His mechanics look fine, but it's all just projections. Um, and to me, a lot more projections have to be made to consider him a first-round prospect than Zaire Williams on both ends of the court, honestly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's a great answer. Um, and, you know, when you're there's so many, many things that need to go right, obviously, with Brandon Boston. Um, but the true ceiling, and, and you're talking high percentile outcome, just because of the raw skill set he has and a fluid jumper, even if the percentage didn't look great and potential of self-creation while also being a really impactful off-ball defender. Um, I, I mean, like the ceiling is an all-star for him, right? Like if we're talking full ceiling. If we're talking full, full outcome, uh, sure. Um, I don't know. I would, I would say his most, realistic high-end outcome like his 90th percentile is uh fifth fifth starter decent score really um, i i'm i'm just a lot lower on his shooting mechanics than uh well not not just his mechanics but his efficiencies i'm not a big believer in it so uh but i see why he's considered a uh late first early second project kind of dude like the upsides there. I don't want to take that away from him. Yeah. But it, it was really hard when I was trying to think of like medium outcome comps in the league because his player type is just pretty rare. Like a guy that needs the ball in his hands a lot, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's rough to find. Um, so it, it's another one of these, I think similarly to Thor, even though I would think Thor is probably a little bit, I don't know. I guess it, I don't want to ever say safer with Thor, but um, well, I I will say the one thing to me that's different is BJ Boston is going to have to adapt to the next level to 
it was clear at Kentucky that he was a dude who was very, very used to having the ball in his hands a lot from high school. And then when that wasn't working at Kentucky um, and he had to play more off ball, like he was still their leading scorer. Um, I should look up his usage rate and see what it compares to. Um, what was he in terms of 23%. Compared to the rest of the starters, yeah, he was second in 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 uh, guys who got decent minutes in terms of usage rate. So it's not like he was a low usage player, but he was still a dude who was clearly struggling, adapting to playing without the ball more and more. And that's just going to be significantly more at the next level. Um, so his playing time is going to be how quick he can figure out avenues to score. Uh, without the ball in his hands JT Thor has kind of already got that like his catch and shoot's not great but he was already cutting he was already doing offensive rebounds um, he was already playing a lot of uh, movement basketball so like I don't know I think a clear and obvious answer for Brandon Boston at the next level is to try to do more handoff in the movement shootings because every once in a while Kentucky did that and I thought those were some of his more impressive shooting numbers so I think to me, his future team is going to bring him off the bench. They're going to be like, hey, dude, you'll probably spend some time in the G League. You're going to have to figure out how to work more off the ball. But here's, to me anyway, a clear way for him to have some value off ball, try to use him more as a movement uh, handoff shooter. Um, but just your yearly reminder here, always bet on Kentucky guys showcasing abilities that they weren't allowed to at Kentucky. Um, you know, Tyrese Maxey, for example, <laughs> he saw his assists and jump his assist numbers jump and his turnover numbers plummet. Um, even beyond that, which is understandable for a dude adjusting to being a backup guard at the next level. Um, so like he was given more uh, playmaking responsibilities off the bench for Bo for uh, Philadelphia this year, and I thought he was a pretty dang good. Uh, backup initiator something that even I was a little bit concerned about when he came into the NBA so maybe Boston spends a whole training camp working on his catch and shoot mechanics and adapts to a smaller role at the next level so I don't know I, I d definitely think there's upside um, but neither of us really think either of these dudes are going to be there at 39 right I actually think that like Boston has potential too but I would still be surprised I think there's no chance for Thor. Yeah. I think I'm, Thor's I think Thor's measurements and the teams he's getting um, workouts with and like it's just too tantalizing. These kind of dudes just yeah. don't fall. Project dudes with positive numbers don't fall like that. Yeah. Is uh is Brandon Boston this year's Jada McDaniels? Ha. <laughs> I like that. Dude who probably was held back more by his team than his efficiency numbers might indicate. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think like valuation wise on where they'll could potentially go in the draft and they're both upside swings, you know, mm -hmm. I think it's interesting. Um, but BJ Boston, I mean, I'd consider Thor before I consider Boston. If we're talking 16 and 18 for nine, um, I wouldn't give Boston consideration 18. Oh God. No, I yeah. would not. Yeah, um, I think that's about it on these two upside swings that I think are 
late first rounders. I think that, um, I mean, if either one is there at 39, even though, like you said, I, I think we would both be surprised if that happened. I would be glad to snag one of them. Um, mm-hmm. Is it a situation where you like either one enough that, say, the situ- say the Bagley for 36 and uh, 34 trade went through? <laughs> like, are you packaging those two to try to move to like 28 or something and try to grab one of these? Like, do you, do you really like either one of these prospects? Yes, I really do like JT Thor. Um, and if I could trade Marvin Bagley to uh, take a real upside swing on JT Thor, like I do it. Um, I don't know how realistic that is. I think he probably, at the end of the day, some team is in the oh late teens, early 20s, uh, is going to take him. And uh, I don't know that there's a way to package um, Bagley to get one of those kind of picks. Um, and then we're talking uh, Harrison Barnes. Like, could he get a um, mid twenties first? Uh, maybe, but the Kings won't do that, so it's not even worth speculating on. Yeah, um, Corey Kispert or JT Four. <laughs> I'm not even that crazy. It's Corey Kispert. Okay. What about Isaiah Jackson? I would take Isaiah Jackson over him just because Isaiah Jackson, you know for sure Isaiah Jackson is going to be a dynamic rim protector. Um, it's not crazy to me to think that JT Thor's ceiling is higher than Isaiah Jackson's ceiling, but like Isaiah Jackson bodying JT Thor really made it clear to me how uh, how far behind JT Thor is going to be at the next level. Yeah, I'm with you there. And the only reason I'm not asking BJ Boston is because I think he's like clearly below these guys. Is that right? Yeah, I agree. Okay. Um, what about Cameron Thomas? Yeah, I was just going to ask you that. I might take JT Thor over Cam Thomas only in that if Kings need JT Thor's upside more, what he could be upside more than what uh, Cameron Thomas is likely to be. Uh, but I completely understand if everybody calls me crazy for that take. I think that what I mean, what it's going to come down to in the draft, I think, is that if he JT Thor goes after 24, if he is not selected 24 by the Rockets with 23 or 24, their back to back picks, that I think like people would lean towards Cameron Thomas because I, I think he has like a clear NBA skill in that mm-hmm. scoring. Um, yeah. I guess I'm kind of dodging my own rankings and the <laughs> question here, right? Um, I, I probably am going to have Cameron Thomas higher because he ha- did show like just the ability to be a ridiculous scorer. Hmm. And that's, yeah, that's there. It's it. like one thing that Cam Thomas needs to fix to be an NBA player. JT Thor has, I a, get it. has a handful. So, um, but yeah, I, I think um, that is enough on these two guys really right is there any other important notes you feel like we missed out on i don't think so um i think it does show the depth of this class that these two dudes are real serious upside swings that we're going to be talking about going in the 20s to i don't know 40 or something like that um this is a real kind of deep class in terms of upside swings uh greg brown they're on sharp trey murphy's a dude i know people want us to talk about um, it's a fairly decent class in terms of these real 
young upside swings with uh, potential. So it'll be interesting to see how teams prioritize these players going forward. Yeah, definitely. Rocco, um, mm-hmm. Joshua Primo, youngest guy in the draft, right? Don't love the fit, but um, definitely a good handful of these guys that I think is going to make some of their draft ranges pretty unpredictable. Um, but it does seem like the two guys we talked about today, um, it wouldn't surprise me if they were both first rounders, specifically Thor. I feel pretty confident saying he'll be a first rounder come draft night. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for this episode here. Um, everybody definitely check out the King Serial. Brian, you put out your Sire Williams profile and did great work there, man. Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to do Kai Jones next. A dude I'm going to be much higher on than you, I think. No, you know, I'm going to watch more Kai Jones because like I read a couple other pieces on him recently and there were some clips that I was like, all right, well, maybe I didn't realize fully what's going on here um, because there were some flashes that I hadn't seen before. So I think he's a guy that end up, could end up climbing for me. I don't know if we're talking nine, but <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get you into the Kai Jones uh, over Alperin Sengun Tech. Oh, that's fine. The- that, no, I'm already there. But oh, that okay. has to do with me being like really low on Shengu. And, and am, some people are am, not going to be happy with me about that. I am counting down the days until your Alperin Sengun profile hits the internet and uh, King's Herald just implodes. Yeah, that's the next in progress. Um, and I, I won't be. I'll, I'll keep it very just these are the facts. These are the flashes and these are my concerns. So you're all right. Um, fact, he's going to be a horrible defender. No, I'm just kidding. Um, oh, yeah. Did you see um, our buddy Kang's draft tweeted out a clip of his new favorite uh, prospect, Roko Perkachin, um, driving to the basket against our Prince Sengun and Sengun. He, he he pointed out Sengun was like a wacky flailing arm inflatable tube yeah. man. That was such a highlight. If anybody doesn't already go follow Kang's uh, Kang's draft and, and find that clip because that was just hilarious. Yeah, it was a great one. Um, I wanted to burn that uh, play into Kevin Fippin's eyeballs next <laughs> time he tells me that we don't need to worry about defense from a lottery prospect. But definitely check out all the great work going on at the Kings Herald. Um, Take a peek at the Patreon to support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days here.